You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Robinson. I'm joined by Ashley Priest for a change. Ash, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm well. All good. All good in the hood, as they say. Yeah, I've had my hair trimmed off and on. I'm messing. So, uh, yeah, all good, mate. Thanks. I've got internet issues today, which is the first time this has happened in, in the new house. So bear with me if anything goes wrong. I've also just dropped my keyboard as we started there, which is why I look like I'd uh, jumped at the start of the episode. So I'm going to move that out of the way and crack on. <laughs> so here to chat all things Aston Villa. If you've got a question for myself or Ash, get it involved in the comment section on Facebook Live and we'll answer as many as we can. Um, we'll start with some, not sad news, but it's been one year since we were last allowed in Villa Park against Tottenham. I actually wasn't there because I was ill that day. So my last game was, I think, the Leicester Cup game. So it's not the 18th of January, my last game. Mm. So it's been one whole year since there was 40-odd thousand in Villa Park. You've written a, a lovely piece today to kind of remember it as if it's a, a weird thing. And yeah, it feels a bit sad, doesn't it? It when you sit and reflect on it, then half Dan really does. Yeah, I, was, I close my eyes and I'm I'm walking outside the Aston Social. I'm going to the old steps and stuff like that today. And mm. yeah, just missing missing it really. It's not the same. You might as well be up Red Ice Park or Moor Lane watching Villa. It's, it's that sad now. It's just nothing there other than um, Dave Paulson, who's the, the stadium announcer. Everyone will reckon recognise his voice. He's still there, so that's the one familiarity you've got. But other than that, it's just. Soulless, and I can't believe Villa fans haven't seen your Martinez yet. Martinez in in the flesh yet. They haven't seen uh, Ollie Watkins. Haven't seen Cash, and they haven't haven't seen the best ever Jack Grealish. So I'm longing for the day for the turnstiles to be back open. To be honest, and yeah, it's just like I say, it's soulless at the moment. And I'm one of the very few lucky Villa fans to to be there week in week out. So yeah, yeah, like I say, very lucky, and um, yeah. 12 months on. It's just so sad. So hopefully this year it's back open, mate, and um, get bouncing and rocking again. What is it like as a, as a journalist being there and obviously being a fan of Villa as well? Part of you there must enjoy the experience of watching Villa as a football team and as a fan of the club. But also yeah. your job role is different now because you're one of the few that's allowed inside the stadium. Can you kind of talk me through what it's like on a match day with all the restrictions and stuff like that? Part of it, it's, it's, it's your job, really. You're going to work, but there's a little, little bit of butterflies inside you being that fan as well. You want you're willing to win tonight. You, you, you're willing them to go forward. You're willing them to score goals and take that seven-two for example. Liverpool. Um, I just didn't know. I was just watching it. In just to- total astonishment. I didn't know what was happening. I froze almost. I was like, is this happening? Is this real? <laughs> and um, yeah, just stuff like that really. And obviously, you're juggling your player ratings. You're trying to watch everything going on. And so yeah, it's totally different to watching at home. I've had a couple of games. I missed the Albion game over Christmas and I watched that at home which is nice and easy you're watching it at home it's, you've got all the analysis there but Villa Park you haven't really got a telly you've got no replays so you're not seeing any VAR stuff so yeah it's totally different mate and obviously it is work but at the same time there's a little boy inside here he's wanting Villa to, to do really well so yeah it's a bit, a bit of a mixed bag really um, it's, it's, a, it's lovely if you can report on a nice comfortable 2-0 3-0 you can sit and enjoy the game then, but when the last minute goals going in and penalty decisions, you're pulling your hair out a little bit. You just want a nice, easy Saturday that afternoon down the villa. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, it's going great now. I've got the but, odd yeah. right hair coming here, so well, we all feel it. There's a question from Alex Langley who says, how is the club going to deal with what's going to be bedlam for tickets for home and away games when we're allowed to get back? Has the club mm. spoke about tickets at any point or is it is it way too early for that? Yeah, I think I think personally I mentioned it and he's 
interview before last, he being patient with it. Um, listen, no one knows what the situation is going to be in a couple of months' time, so they'll, they'll analyse it in, in in the summer. I can't see fans being back in before that. They're going to trial it, aren't they, for the Carabao Cup final and FA Cup final? So. As it stands, I'd probably say start of next season. Fans are being, and I think Villa, will be, Villa, Villa now will be drumming up some kind of contingency plan mm. for supporters. Um, you think back to last season, seeing ticket holders, we had thirty thousand there, didn't we? So you, you got to guarantee them getting their seeing ticket holders back. So that leaves what twelve thousand, ten thousand yeah. on the gate. So I think it'd be similar. To be honest with you, um, obviously you. you yeah, I think it'd be similar to that, really. What do you think that first game back will be like with fans? Because we've had some brilliant atmospheres over the years. You know, think of derby games and playoff semi-finals and whatever else. I'm sure anyone watching this could think of a, a great atmosphere over the years that they've been to. That first game back for a 42,000 sellout is going to be, a, I think it'll be quite a weird experience. I'm in this weird position where, with all the, the coronavirus stuff, when I even watch old games, I kind of look at it and think, that's alien to me now. I can't imagine 42,000 people sat together again. I think it'll eclipse everything. It'll eclipse even probably your derby days and stuff. That first game back after a year away, longer than a year away, it's just going to be mental. Be, I think it'll be a real carnival. I really do. Mm. Celebrating COVID's, COVID's nipped in the bud for now and everyone's back back, back amongst it. And they're seeing this new, new, new Villa side that been brilliant to watch um, from afar. So... I think it'll be total party, party time at Villa Park. A reason to celebrate as well, on and off the pitch. And I think it'll be an incredible atmosphere once, that, once Villa Park's full again. So, yeah, roll on for me. Let's get into some of these questions then. There's a few coming in, um, football-related stuff. We'll move away from tickets because it is an unknown at this point. Um, Bradley Birch says, would you drop Barkley and maybe move McGinn forward and then have Sanson or Nakamba next to Louise? So I suppose there's a two-parter there. First of all, do you drop Barkley? And second, is it Sanson or Nakamba that comes in, do you think? Question for Dean Smith, not me, but no, listen. <laughs> yeah, I did ask about McGinn's new role. Really, really precarious, that is. He's been asked to play a bit deeper, isn't he, this year? Mm. It's totally um, nullifying his threats. He, he's known for being that, that lung-busting midfielder, getting in behind defences and finishing. Well, he started last season like, like a house on fire, didn't he, McGinn? Scoring left, right and centre. So he's been yeah. nullified in that, that respect. He's doing doing a job in there. He's protecting the back the back four, and Smith's been pleased with him alongside Douglas Louise. So is he fitting Barkley in for the sake of fitting Barkley at the moment? Possibly. Um, he's waiting for Barkley to rediscover his form. Everyone knows his form. He's a world beater on his day, and he was brilliant before his injury. With his injury coming at a real bad time, so McGinn's filling in at the moment. He's doing what's asked. Like I've always said this, McGinn's a um, Smith's a big favourite. McGinn's a big favourite of Smith's, and um, he, he trusts him with his life. So, okay, he's, he's, he's a bit more six out of ten from McGinn at the moment, but he's doing what's asked. He's, he's protecting the back four. Another clean sheet at the weekend, and um, yeah, maybe Nakamba deserves a shot because look at him. He came in against Arsenal. He was excellent. So. Yeah. Well, McGinn's got that bit more attacking threat about him, but he's not showing that at the moment. So there's question marks there for that midfield, for, for sure. I thought Santan showed more than Barkley, Barkley did at the weekend when he come up. Had a real energy about him. He wants to prove a point and he's champing at the bit to get that starting shirt off Barkley. So really interesting one for Sunday now for Smith's, Smith's team. Will he persevere with Barkley, given his indifferent form? So we'll soon see with that one. For me, he probably, probably warrants it, um, a switch up. 
really yeah. does. But teams are probably sussing Villa out now. You look at West Ham and Brighton now, and yeah, Villa squirmed past Arsenal in the end, which was a great result. But maybe switch things up. Perhaps Grealish in, in a number ten. He's been nullified of late with with um, West Ham. They doubled up on him. Did the same at Brighton. Got no joy. Yeah. Um, so maybe Grealish in the middle. That's a, that's an option. And get Trezzy back in there or. Or El Ghazi, perhaps, just to give Villa a bit of a more of a goal threat. But I think they're time for a freshen up, perhaps. Other teams sussing Villa out, maybe. But yeah, it'd be a tough test on Sunday now against the uh, informed Leicester. Just on Barkley, you, every time there's an out of form loanee player, you, same conversation comes up amongst football fans everywhere saying, mm-hmm. oh, it's an obligation that he has to play, even though he's not in form. Is it some kind of contract that he has to play a certain amount of minutes? I'm not sure whether this is a realistic thing in actual football or whether it's a football manager fee for 20 kind of thing. That they have to play 80% of games if fit, because it just seems one of those things that people throw out that Barkley's not playing well at the moment. Smith keeps picking him, which I assume is to play him into fitness or play him back into form and not a Chelsea say he needs to play 90% of minutes. So he has to yep. play. Jay White says, do you think we'll be keen on signing him permanently? This is something that me, Matt and James talked about in the last post-match podcast. At one stage, we were all going 30, 40 million. Yeah, pay whatever Chelsea want. <laughs> now I'm kind of sitting here going, mm, there's probably better better deals to be found elsewhere. How do you assess the, the Barkley situation now? It's a good debate, isn't it? It's a great, great debate to have, really. It's up to Barkley for me. At the moment, is he doing enough to warrant a permanent move to Villa Park? No. Um, can he force his way into Villa's reckoning for, the, for a summer move? Yes. Um, 16 games to go. It's all on Barkley now. I, I did a piece yesterday. He's got to prove his data's wrong again. Because when he arrived, question marks were there, wasn't they? He, yeah. he was on the bench at Chelsea, weren't getting a kick. And... Um, Within two weeks of Villa Park, he's the new Messiah. Brilliant, marquee signing. Just what we needed. Barkley's back, and uh, yeah, ne- things never looked so 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 good. So, but now after his injury, he played six games in eighteen days. I don't know when the last time he did that, to be honest, because he hasn't played a lot of football continuously within a short space of time throughout his career. So, and Smith reminded it, reminded him of that when he took him off against Arsenal and Barkley booted the bag. But <laughs> regarding a permanent move. It's not on the cart, not on the table yet. Um, I think Barkley's got, got, got to do some more for, for that to happen. Um, Chelsea will assess the situation in the summer, as will Villa. So, Smith said to me, no talks have been taken place at the moment regarding that. And um, yeah, Barkley needs a contract in his football for me. He wants to get in the Euros as well, which he's looking at an imp- impossible task given the players in the position. I mean, your Madisons, Grealish, Foden. He ain't, getting, he ain't getting a kick in there at the moment. So, it's all on Barkley for me now. He needs to show what he's all about. He's come back with a bang like he did back in October. So, the ball's in his court for me. He's got to start showing he's this, uh, this, this big-time player he has been previously. So, yeah. Yeah, agreed. There's a question here from a guy. I'm not going to pronounce his name right. So, I'm going to go with Dave, even though it's definitely wrong. He says, how badly will we miss the awesome Matty Cash until he's back from injury? Do we know what the extent of this injury is yet? I've not heard anything from Smith. He yeah. hobbled off, you know, clutching the, the back of his hamstring. If it is a hamstring, you'd expect it to be several weeks rather than a game or two. That'll be a big miss, won't it? Yeah, he confirmed the hamstring injury afterwards, Smith did. So, Villa have had two hamstring injuries this year, Barkley and Trezeguet. Both of them are seven games. Missed mm. seven games. So, very, very worrying for me. Okay, Almo's probably going to come in. He'll be up against Harvey Barnes, which is an impossible task in itself. And Barnes has scored, scored five and assisted two in his last ten. So, it's going to be a tough, tough going. But Almo's been Mr. Reliable. 
for uh, over the last few years now and he's one to put in a performance when you don't, don't expect it. Alma's your man. So, yeah, tough Ascot down that left-hand side. Down Villa's right-hand side, I should say, on, on Sunday. So, yeah, wishing Cash a speedy recovery because he's been excellent this season. And we've seen, we've seen over the weekend that Freddie Gilbert's doing all right in France now as well. Got an assist in, in league on team of the week. So, have Villa perhaps ruined that decision, but they've got Almo. Conscious played there in the past and young Kane Kessler's coming coming good in the academy as well. Should, uh, should Smith need the options, but I think it'd be Almo on Sunday. Really good chance of him to come back into the side. He hasn't started in the last 12 or 13 games. Big test for Armo Sunday. Hopefully he can do the business. There's a massive comment here from Doug O'Brien about corners. I'm going to read the whole thing out. I've never really thought about this at all and it's massive, so bear with me. He says, Please explain why Jack Grealish has only one assist from his right-footed left-wing corners in over 207 appearances for our great club. I love Jack because he's an amazing player, but his corner kicks are truly awful. Same principle applies to Chiro's left-footed right-wing corners. Truly shocking. Can someone, maybe you, Ash, please ask Dino to start getting left-footed players to take left-sided corners and right-footed players to take right-sided corners? Job done. What's on our set pieces, mate? Is that fair? Truly shocking and truly awful? There's nothing worse than uh, seeing a corner if not beat the first man. Is that it's ev- everyone gets annoyed at that? Mm. Um, I think Jack's been guilty of it. Draw has been guilty of it. I, just, I think Smith just likes the in swingers. I think I hear Grealish now and again. He, he shouts. He goes, gets his arm. He goes red, red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't have it now. There was a there was one a few games ago, possibly West Ham. He shouted blue. Blue. Put one hand up and shouted blue, and it's a terrible corner. And I said, "After never <laughs> take a blue corner again." And then I think against Brighton, I heard him shout red with two hands. So I don't know what the difference yeah, is. I did, did, did a nice, like, kind of short corner routine a couple of games ago. Kind of yeah. came into the, the front post and back out to the edge of the air. I think you know, things like that I like. But uh, to be fair, Doug's got a, a, a semi-decent point in that massive, massive comment that our set pieces aren't as good as they probably should be. No, especially when you got Mings, Mings there as well, and Konsa. They've been in yeah. the goal start of the year. Both of them scored for a while now, but yeah, I think Smith prefers the in swingers. I mean, the out swingers are harder to get a connection on to, for that power to go to go go goalwards. But yeah, perhaps we're missing kind of Huran in that department, um, set piece specialist. Um, I mean, McGrady used to hang around outside the edge of the box, didn't they? Um, in the championship, he used to volley him home. Um, yeah. Back then, he did that at Burton this year as well, in the, in the cup. So I think I think Lansbury's on the corners then, but he's long gone. But yeah, corner takers. It's yeah, interesting one. Don't, there's not that many to choose from, really. Um, Grealish and Burt, Burt, you, you, you men really for that. I can't think of anyone else really. Douglas Louise, he has to sit in there just in case there's a, a counter attack. Um, yeah, your wingers will take your corners. Perhaps they need to do better. Um, could do you some more goals from set pieces, definitely. Dave says, call me Dave, it's all good. So that is great because there was another question from him I wanted to go with. Would qualifying for the Europa League be a bad thing? Is it better to be top four or seventh to tenth rather than fifth or sixth? So this is making the point that Europa League brings you extra fixtures and congestion and all these kind of things. And if you, your squad isn't ready for it, is it better to just miss out on Europe altogether or bypass the Europa League and finish fourth instead, which obviously would be the preferable option, but the more difficult task. For me, just go, go for it all the way, finish fifth. What a brilliant season that'd be in Europa League football. I'll get my passport out then and report uh, from abroad. But um, yeah, longing for the yeah, European Europa League all the way for me. You're attracting immense immense players then in the summer. Um, Villa are doing something right. Okay, the fixture pile up. 
he's not ideal, but you build a squad for that. So yeah. Villa need to improve their depth in the summer if they get to that stage. Big ask at the moment, but heading to the right, the right direction. Two games in hand on those above them. So yeah, if they get fifth, incredible season. You, you can't you can't question that. You can't you don't do not do not want that, dear. So yeah, I think Europa League will be an exciting time, and Villa need to build a bigger squad for sure, but. That's what Grealish wants. That's what you know. What I mean, the big, big, big players want, and, and Villa attracts some star names to the squad as well. And just look at your Tottenham's and and your clubs like that who qualified for Europe over the last few years, and the money they've they've, they've had it injected, and it just bodes well for the future. So yeah, big pot of money there if you get into Europe, and Villa will build a squad to do that. And it's what the owners want as well. Wes and Nassif, they, they want to get into Europe. So all the way for me, it'd be an exciting time. Have I lost that? I think I have. But yeah, talking about Leicester on Sunday, perhaps to switch up with um, Morgan Santon coming in. Yet to start, isn't he, to be honest? So, 14 minutes at the uh, the Brighton Stadium on Saturday. You'll be wanting more now after his move. He did so much more to, to um, warrant that as well. He showed a lot of desire when he came onto the pitch. So, he's chomping at the bit now as well. Troy was a bit lacklustre at the weekend as well. So, we'll see, see if there'll be a switch up on the, on the right flank for Villa as well. El Ghazi and Trezeguet in reserve there. But yeah, other than that, I can't see too many changes, to be honest. Let's get, let's get to some of your questions. James Saunders says, Matty Cash for corners. Yeah, interesting point there, James. I think Matty Cash is he's there for the breakaway as well. He's, he's one of Villa's quickest players. So he tends to stay back for that, just in case of the counter-attack, which Villa have been guilty of um, before. So Cash stays back for corners, which is much needed given the quickness of the players on the break. They catch Villa cold now and again. Danny Barker, summer transfer would be huge for us if we don't track the quality we need. We struggle to keep hold of Emmy and Grealish. I've seen that Emmy Martinez article today and Garth Crooks is suggesting if some of the top clubs might, might want to get Emmy Martinez given the form, which is all fair and good given his form, but same with Grealish as well. They've committed to Villa for a reason. They see um, European football at Villa in the not-too-distant future, hopefully, hopefully next season. So, Exciting times to be a Villa player, let alone a Villa fan. So, then pair going not going anywhere. But like you say, Danny, I think the summer business is vital. I think um, a couple of defenders will be on that list. A new striker. We don't know how, how far Wesley is away yet. Um, could Keenan Davis head out on loan for some some minutes as well? So, lots lots to discuss in the summer for for Johan Langer, Perslow, and Smith to get around the table and assess how, how the the bolts of their squad. Obviously, got Almo going, perhaps, with his contract expiring. Sam goes Neil Taylor, so there'll be some freshening up needed in there. Mike Pearson, any updates on Louis Barry's injury? I know he's um, away from the first team, but we'd love to see him in the 23s pushing on. Yeah, Louis was uh, named Premier League 2 Player of the Month yesterday for uh, January. Had a great month. He scored 12 goals in his last 10 starts, which is frightening, really. Um, rolled his ankle in training a couple of weeks ago. He's looking to be back in about three weeks' time. Burnley in the under-23 league on March 12th, maps. That's when we'll obviously Barry back in under-23's action. So, hopefully, he's injury-free now from now until the summer and he can um, get in the pre-season mix with the first team in the summer months. And, yeah, give, give some uh, Smith some food for thought, definitely. Do you think other teams have found us out now? Grealish has been a no-show in the last couple of games, hasn't he? I think uh, West Ham doubled up on him down the right side and so did with Brighton. Veltman had him in his pocket, to be honest. So, I think that's where you're looking at Villa's left-hand side. Could Greenwich come inside and impact the game more? Because we all know what he can do. 
and he's perhaps at the moment he's perhaps wasted out there at the moment. So could be more, could be time for a switcheroo. Same with the midfield as well. I thought Douglas Rees did okay at the weekend coming back in. Um, McGinn, I'm not sure what, what what his role is at the moment. He's more defensively minded at present, but I like to see him getting beyond defenders and just giving other giving the team something to think about. Um, and ghosting runs into the box. He's always good for goals, isn't he? McGinn, so he's been nullified at present regarding the transfers. Uh, to have a look. Craig Birch, have I missed Matt, Matty Cash's injury extents? Hi, Craig. Thanks for joining in, mate. Um, no, no diagnosis on that yet um, from Cash's injury. Hamstring, so you're fearing the worst, aren't you, Craig? Um, they'll have had two hamstring injuries this season. First of which is Ross Barkley. He missed seven games. And then Trezeguet had done his hamstring on the eve of the Wolves fixture in November, and he missed seven games. So, if you're judging by that, Matty Cash out for seven games. It's a massive concern, isn't it, really? Um, and all I was an Almo to, to slot in at right back, who's been, like I've said, Villa's Mr. Reliable um, from time to time. So, hopefully, he can come up Trumps on Sunday. He's got Harvey Barnes to mark, so it's be tough going. But anyone's to pull up, pull a performance out the bag, it's usually Almo come, who comes good. Experienced operator, so I think we're in safe hands there for Sunday and a big chance for Almo to stake his claim. I'm back, Ash. You're back, you saved me. You're all right. My, my big apologies to everybody watching. And Ash, I've got my phone on 4G, tried to connect your during that, and I couldn't. I could see that you were still going answering questions. So bravo, Ashley Priest, for, for filling that that void because yeah. it's difficult to uh, to fill when someone disconnects. I've done it before. So apologies for that. <laughs> Crack on with the question you're about to go with and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up after the next one, if that's okay. I've been asked about McGinn here. Uh, Rich Clark, yeah, is it self-harm to the team as well as bad for McGinn playing in deep? Which is that's a bit of an issue for me at the moment, but McGinn's doing a job. He'll do a job for you. He'll play right back if you want him to. McGinn would. So... I think Smith just Smith just trusts him. Um, McGinn can't be too happy with his performance at Brighton. I thought off his usual standard, to be honest. And I think his last good game was Chelsea away, where he was brilliant. So we need a bit more more from McGinn. But like you say, he's been asked to do a different role. He's defensively minded now as well. So he's he's not getting forward. He's not catching the eye as much. He's plugging gaps. He's, he's trying to break up the play. He's stopping passes. And nullifying the, the the opposition, whereas before he was like a raging bull, wasn't he in his approach? So you, you do really notice that, um, given what everyone knows about McGinn's style and brilliance that of last season. So bit of an issue for me at the moment that, but because oh, I'd love to see McGinn play higher up in in the ten roll, perhaps I'd love to see him. Do you know what I mean? Getting in behind Watkins and just causing him causing a threat of himself. So yeah, um, interesting point that, and one one I'll keep an eye on. Against Leicester on Sunday. Did you talk about Ollie Watkins during my absence? No, no, I'm, I'm chatting about Watkins. So there's a point from Rob Bowen that says, what do, what do Villa do if, God forbid, he gets injured? And this is something that we've talked about a few times about, you know, we've got Lou Barry in reserve, you've got um, Keenan Davis still around it, you've got Wesley to come back, but that's probably going to be the end of the season before he returns. So we won't focus too much on what we do if he gets injured because hopefully that doesn't even happen. I just want to get your opinion on how good he is. And how Watkins. he compares to to other strikers over the last few years. My time of watching Villa is fifteen ish years, so you've got Gabby, Kuru, Benteke, and probably Watkins in there as as the best strikers we've had. He's certainly the best we've had since Benteke. Where does he rank in, in strikers that you've seen for Villa? Yeah, he's, he's right up there to be honest. Ten goals in twenty two in the Premier League, first year stepping up, and he's uh he's everything you want and more in the number nine. For me, he should have had more some more goals perhaps and on, on Sun Saturday, sorry, he was very isolated. Up there against Lewis Duncan, he had three centre halves on him. So tough going on Saturday for for Ali. 
still learning his trade at Premier League level. Don't forget, but he's he's on the he's on the right lines. Um, Benteke's nineteen goal haul should be in his targets for this season. Sixteen games to go, needs another ten. So there's a, there's a carrot for him. Can he break that? Yeah, yeah, he's a selfless worker. Great guys in his interview um, previously where he's talk about his move to Villa and his, his mum was crying in the hotel room. Just how far he's coming, a short space of time um, from Western Supermare to leading line in the Premier League for Villa. It's a crazy story, really, and I think he's just a breath of fresh air leading that line up front. Whereas last season, we had, we had Samata and Davis who, who struggled up there, to be honest. But Ollie Watkins is, is chasing every chasing every ball for the Villa cause. And what more do you want, really? So, his hard work's getting rewarded and hopefully on Sunday, he's back in the goals. Um, he gives defences a nightmare, to be honest with you. So, yeah. The only, the only critique I've got of Watkins is he, he tend, this is probably down to him playing as a winger for Brentford and Exeter previously. He, he tends to drift that wide now and again. So, mm. he picks up the ball on, on the touchline and then, you know, I think, Barney Barkley's in the box then and you really want your you number know, nine in the box in and around the, the six-yard box, didn't you? Just um, tucking away chances. So that's been a critique of Watkins every now and again. I think that's his eagerness to get on the ball and have a touch of the ball because it can be quite quite lonely up there. So, yeah, for, from time to time, I think he needs to stay in, stay in between the lines, stay in between the goalposts and more goals will come. So I think, yeah. But other than that, it's been fantastic. Value for money there. Long-term, adi- long-term um, addition. Long, long-term addition. And uh, long may continue as well. So, yeah, these are the next milestone. I remember watching Ollie Watkins' goals at Brentford as, as just as we signed him. And I can't remember the figure. Was it 26 or something like that in, in the yeah. Championship? And again, I don't know what the figures were, but the vast majority were inside the box and the majority of that majority were in the six-yard box. So yeah, that's, yeah. Where you want him, that's where you want him playing. You don't, you don't want him floating out up wide unless you're playing two up top, which Philip don't. Um, the last question I want to finish on before my internet disconnects again, although it seems to be okay at the moment, is from Lorne or Lorna. It's, I'm hungry, so this is why this question's come up. Question of the day, as it's pancake day, is it acceptable to have pancakes as a main course or just dessert? I don't know. I don't really have them as a side, to be honest. Lemon and sugar I have. A bit of Nutella. Nice oh. and easy. Um, pancake. I don't know, really. Oh, you, you've got to be having it as a main, I think. That's what I'm doing today. Yeah, yeah, just have like loads of pancakes. Not like savoury ones, still have them sweet, but have like loads yeah. of pancakes, lemon and sugar, maybe yeah. a bit of ice cream. That's what I'll go yeah. for. It's a good old debate, isn't it, the old pancake one? <laughs> Steve, Steve at work, he likes marmot and he's, I don't know how people feel about that. But yeah, there's some, some odd, odd, odd toppings for, from some people, but yeah, load up. What I was saying, you know, everyone load up on pancakes. Just as I disconnected, I sent a message to our colleague, Matt Davis, who basically does this, effectively the same kind of job I do. He hosts the Nottingham Forest podcast that we that we do with our sister title. So he's waiting in the stream and he's just put a message in the private chat saying, oh, can I get involved in this because I love pancakes? And Matt, Welcome to the Carp Blue Podcast very quickly. Uh, your thoughts on pancakes, please, sir? <laughs> I think I was about 85% joking there. I've just been watching Ash floundering for about 20 minutes while you were gone. I should have jumped in. I love a savoury pancake. Uh, All-day breakfast pancake, beans, Ooh. bacon, sausages, all in a pancake, pile it in, and then a uh, nice Nutella one for dessert. I have to make Nutella pancakes every Saturday morning for my kids. <laughs> they've been, they've, for the last two years. Pancakes aren't really a thing, then, is it, in your house, if you have them regularly? No, Pancake Saturday in my house. Ah, 
love that. I'm going to move into the Davies household. Uh, definitely not there. Thank you very much, Matt, for your contribution. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, Ash, for filling for me while I uh, disconnected. Just new house teething problems and hopefully uh, all sorted by the next match day. It's uh, Villa against Leicester on Sunday. I don't know what time it is, but we'll be back with another podcast straight after that. Is it 2? 2 p.m. kickoff. Two o'clock. So we'll be back uh, Sunday evening-ish, five, four or five o'clock to talk about Villa's hopefully win against Leicester City. Thanks for everyone who joined in on Facebook Live this afternoon and for all your questions. Uh, it's really appreciated, especially during my absence. And once again, big thanks and props to Ash for, for filling that void. Thanks to Matt Davis for keeping a watchful eye over and his pancake contribution. We'll catch you again in a few days' time. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.